Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Don't have a ton to say before we jump into today's episode. One thing I did want to mention, I actually mentioned a little bit in the episode, is that if you are into the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you enjoy the MCU, uh, movie tickets for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania just went on sale this week. So if you're hoping to go see that opening weekend, make sure to grab your tickets soon before all of the good seats are gone. Uh, I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to share my thoughts on it after uh, I see the movie. Uh, we have another great episode today. We're going to be talking new car, new location, as well as a deck breakdown, which is something we haven't done in a little while. So uh, excited to hear your thoughts on that. If there are specific topics that you would like to have us discuss with the guests on the podcast, please let me know either on the Marvel Snap Zone Discord. We have a channel for episode discussion and episode questions as well as on Twitter at can't underscore stop underscore snap. Would love to hear the topics that you all would love to hear co- uh, covered in addition to the new cards and locations so that we can have interesting conversations that all of you want to hear week to week. With all that being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And we have another great episode for you this week. We have a couple of topics. As always, we're going to break down new card, new location, and we're going to do something a little new. And I'll uh, let you wait on that to find out what that is until we get to that part of the episode. But I am joined by another first-time guest and fellow Marvel Snap Zone contributor, Safety Blade. Safety Blade, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. How you going? Uh, uh, I was telling Safety Blade before we started recording... Uh, this is the farthest, uh, somebody the farthest east from where I'm recording at uh, that we've had on the podcast. So I think we're a 17 hours uh, difference in time zone. So uh, we've set a new record here. So that's kind of fun. Um, but before we jump into the topics today, uh, Safety Blade, I would love to give you just a second to introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, maybe they've seen some of your stuff on Twitter, some of your stuff on Marvel Snap Zone, but just love to give you a chance to introduce yourself, your background in gaming, your background with Marvel Snap and other card games, and what you're doing for Marvel Snap Zone. Certainly. So yes, I'm down here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, so yes, like I said, I'm a very long way away from you. Um, but my, my background's a bit, probably a little bit different to some people's, but um, I just always liked card games when I was younger. Used to obviously do the Pokemon thing, the Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that when I was young in in my teens and early childhood. I could honestly say I never was able to really afford to be really engaged with it. So later on in life, when I found Hearthstone, it was really just grabbed me immediately. The whole card game, thinking about these sort of problems and engaging with these games has always been a thing I've enjoyed. Um, Drifted away from it for a long time and went back around the Battlegrounds time to Hearthstone and went a strange route of playing Battlegrounds and then going back into Standard instead. Um, And then time ended up over in the wild um community because um just enjoyed it it was faster which is a theme you may realize why i like marvel start more now <laughs> i also got heavily into mercenaries for a long time which is where my, a lot of my twitter account started um because i have been a mobile gamer for a while because i've had children for a long time and gacha games are a, a, a staple in mobile gaming and there's a lot of com- conversation around that currently isn't there so <laughs> but yes. marvel snap kind of has a bit of both and um as soon as it was announced for me it wasn't even the ben broad thing it was just it's a marvel property i'm a m- massive marvel fanboy i've read far too much of it and i love card games so and two things just combined and the 12 card deck I, I really like. I like the locations. Change it, even though there's a few specific locations which should be deleted immediately. Um, Amen. So and <laughs> delete subterranea. I am on. Oh, I'm on the <laughs> delete subterranea train. Believe me, that that is the worst thing. Anyway, anyone who's engaged with me for more than five minutes know how much I dislike that location. And um, yeah, like I was just going to, I was going to engage with it to some degree, regardless. So I was pleasantly surprised when I got the game around the time that Wave was released. Um, that it's just amazing. The gameplay is amazing. It grips you. Um, you can engage with it 
at multiple different levels. Um, the time commitment in particular is is amazing. Like you don't actually like as much as there's obvious the conversation around it, the actual time commitment to keep up with this game compared to being a full free to play player in other games is harder. Now I'm not free to play, but just to be clear, that's that's how how I see it. And yeah, so it's gripped me and it's, it's stuck with it and started um started building decks and posting stuff and now I contribute with Marvel Snap Zone weekly with the location articles and some of the tech guides and um join me over on Twitter, ping me whenever you want and you'll see this uh, I try to constantly put out different decks of varying levels of success. Some are really good and trying to be meta contenders, some are there for fun. I try to call it out when I do that. Um yeah, I just I just like the game and love deck building, so that's why I'm still here. And I probably I don't see myself moving away from this to some degree um, going forward at this stage. Awesome. Well, thank you for the introduction. A couple things. Uh, one, uh, you you kind of talked about your Twitter, and and that's one of the thing reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast for a little while now is uh, you do a great job of kind of creating these threads that break down uh, how deck a deck can be played. Um, and, and that's been very helpful for me. And I think for a lot of other people, I I've seen your breakdowns. I've gone and built the deck and I, you know, I read, okay, turn one, this is what I want to be accomplishing turn two. And it's helped me a lot. So definitely appreciate that. Um, second thing I just want to call, I, I am also a big Marvel fan, love the Marvel IP and that, uh, I was, I never really played Hearthstone. So, uh, you know, everybody's like Ben Brode, this is the game from Ben Brode. And that didn't really, uh, speak to me. I mean, it does now. I think Ben Brode seems like a great guy and a great, uh, game leader, um, but for me, it was the Marvel and the card game piece. Um, but going along with that, um, just want to call out to everybody listening, you know, uh, Ant-Man tickets uh, for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the new movie, uh, went on sale <laughs> last night uh, uh, at the time of recording this. So if you haven't got your tickets yet and you want to go see it, make sure to grab them now. Uh, I got uh, tickets for me, my friends and my family to uh, go see it uh, opening night. So very excited for that. Okay, well, we will dive into the topics here now, and we will start off with card. Um, so we were we were debating a little bit. I shouldn't say debating. We were talking about how to pronounce the name uh, before the show. And, uh, it's either Shanna or Shauna, uh, the she-devil. So we will probably say Shanna for uh, the recording here, but it, maybe you pronounce it Shauna. Uh, but Shanna, the, the she-devil, is a four-cost, two-power card on reveal add a random one cost card to each location. And I just want to clarify that says to each location, it's not to every other location. Uh, like if you play on one location, the cards go to the other two, it's all three locations. If there's space available, will be filled by mm -hmm. one random one cost card in each location. Does that sound right to you? That sounds right to me, yes, yeah. Okay, well, so, um, so we'll be talking synergies here, you know, what cards we think this works well with, but um, you know, uh, we've got we're getting several cards this month, and I, I guess my first question for you is just how do you feel this one kind of stands up against the other ones we're getting this month? Uh, things like Sauron, uh, Shadow King. You know, we've we've kind of broken down these cards just a little bit uh, previously on the podcast, but how do you think this one kind of stacks up against some of the other cards we've got into Pool Pool Six or Pool Five? Uh, yeah. So my overall take on this month is this is probably low overall but the overall power level of all, all these cards to me is not super high it's like have their decks what they fit into and shanna fits into a deck so i'd put a higher than some of the and um i would actually put a higher than shadow king mm. in my opinion um but lower than sauron and dazzler could go so many different ways so mm, wait and see on her <laughs> yeah yeah no I, that's, that's, that's interesting so well i'm interested to hear your thoughts because i know um you know some people think oh shadow king great tech card right uh but it really depends on what you're playing against right so interested to hear yeah. your thoughts on you know why uh shanna maybe uh kind of goes higher on on the stack this month so uh let's just start talking some of the obvious uh synergies right um so uh, she's obviously meant to be. I'm not as familiar with the Kazar and and Shauna from the, the comic books or anything, uh, but obviously, mm -hmm. kind of that that first thing you think of is Kazar. One, the art style is the same. Uh, you know, they both have to do with one cost cards, and so that's kind of the obvious synergy here that people are going to think of. Um, 
And that leads us to maybe think things like Blue Marvel, which just kind of gives another buff to all cards. So it's kind of like, okay, you're filling the board, uh, kazoo-style deck, um, and you're you're buffing all these cards. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that that's the obvious synergy that we're going to talk about first? But do you think uh, that that's actually kind of the best way to play her? Look, it... It's definitely the obvious one. I'm not sure if she is 100% the best way, um, but it's definitely the obvious one, and it will. I think it does elevate um, Zoo or Flood style decks, um, even if it might not look like it, and it might look like it clashes with certain cards, in particular with Zabu as well. Zabu obviously allows you to play Kazar and Shanna on, on the same turn as well, which is potentially super powerful combination. Um, Yes, yeah, so the obvious application is directly with Kazar um, because it's that's three bodies which will all get plus one um, by the end of the game. And Blue Marvel could obviously add on top of that. Um, Flood style decks I'm very versed in myself. I've played a lot of them and recommend them for a lot of different levels. And she's she will fit in quite easily into a lot of different builds, I believe, because you. If considering as a worst case scenario, if you play her in a full flood deck, you've got her on six with two, could play, potentially play her with two one drops, for example, on six. So that's what is that four, six bodies? Yeah. And that's a lot. There's a lot of, of potential burst damage, um, called damage because of Hearthstone, sorry, burst power, what you can put on there in six without any sort of interventions. That's worst case scenario. Um, start think- adding in cards like Zabu and suddenly her ceiling just gets much higher. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I was going to actually ask you, you know, do you think in a Kazar, Blue Marvel, Flood the Deck style deck, however you want to play that, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can build that deck. I mean, you could throw in Thanos with the with the stones. Um, do you think it's like worth it to play her if you don't have Zabu or you don't play Zabu in the deck? Because they're both, Kazar and, and uh, Shauna are both four cost cards, right? So I mean, you, you said the scenario, right? You could play her and two one-cost cards uh, on turn seven, but obviously if you have something like uh, Ebony Maw that you've drawn late, like that doesn't really help you to be able to play at the end. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you think that that strategy is as uh, doable without Zabu in the deck? Look, it's not as doable. Zabu is obviously going to make her much stronger. It's definitely doable. I would immediately, if I would pull my any of my zoo lists up, would immediately drop one of the one drops and put a uh, shiner in there instead. Like this, just to give an idea of how 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 much I think she fits in. Yeah. Because um, a lot of these decks, the play style, unfortunately, a lot of people look on curve and looking for the curve and say oh, it clashes with my four drop. You're only going to be able to play one of the four drops, and the other one can be a six six cost on your six turn six with other cards. You want with the flood style, you actually want a flexibility of when you can play the cards. So you can avoid killmongers, you can give and take priority as you need it. So she actually adds a lot more flexibility than it might look on the surface. A problem, not problem, but the thing, and it attaches to a lot of conversation which has happening recently, Zabu elevates her significantly though. So if you, you, you may feel bad with that approach of just playing her, but you definitely, if you opened her randomly early on without Zabu, she's yeah. definitely playable in that style. I, I, think, I definitely do. I think you you make a great point that I, I mean I, f- I fall into this trap myself is that uh, it's too easy to get caught in the kind of the curve trap where you're like I have to play on curve and mm. I need to design my deck around a curve. But you're right. I mean, being able I mean, you said it yourself right playing her on on turn six with two two uh, one drops that's that's uh, six bodies on the board right. And if you figure that like the average one drop has two two power three power right. Uh, probably closer to two is the average you're going to get. Yeah, um, it would be average. You know, that's that that's a lot of power that can be spread across the board, especially if you already have, because, you know, you played Kazar in four and Blue Marvel in five, right? Um, yeah, so it's 12, 12 plus and then it's another six, 18, and then another, potentially another six. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> it's more than that scene. And, and one of the things is that this is spread across the board. It's not in one location, right? So you kind of get that Dr. Doom. Mm. Uh, style buff where you can kind of spread it across the whole board. Yet yeah, you know mm-hmm. you get 15 power, which is a lot, but you get to spread it across the board, which can be very powerful uh, to close out a game. So, 
Well, uh, let's kind of turn to another synergy potentially here, and that's destroy. Um, I know there's been some talk and thought there. What What are your thoughts on uh, where Shauna could kind of potentially fit into a destroy deck? With with destroy, I'm probably not as high as someone on that one. Um, she adds an extra body for a destroy effect. Um, so potentially, we're just adding back in. For me, this is my opinion. It, it potentially she fits with. More of a, the smaller, lower part of the destroy curve could be added back into some sort of a zoo flood sort of package. So you're playing the Nova, playing Shana and Carnage. So when later on in the game you can destroy a, a bad one drop and then maybe puff, puff some power around the board. But um, yeah, I worry about the consistency of that one yeah. myself. Whether it's just not whether it's not the best way to do it. It definitely shows that. That, that idea in itself just shows the flexibility around Shanna, which might not be apparent on the surface. That there is there is more ways to use them bodies than you might immediately think of. And that's where we're going to find the more exciting ways to use this card, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think maybe the, the kind of the first um, kind of zoo style deck that we talked about is maybe more powerful. Uh, one, one kind of synergy or uh, combo, you know, I've seen a couple of people talk about is with Killmonger. Right, if you're playing the Killmonger, mm. if you play Squirrel Girl and you play uh, Shauna, that's uh, potentially six one cost, right? Uh, if you have space to put those all on the board, uh, a Killmonger killing all those, you know, not including anything you maybe have killed with Carnage or anything else, uh, that's six uh, hits, and, and that would be six mm. costs reduced on death, right? And then all of a sudden you have a three cost death. Obviously, maybe you destroy some one cost cards on your opponent's side of the board, etc. Uh, potentially you could almost get death for you know three or less cost without having to play wave, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth worth looking at. That's the way I mean. Yeah, like I, I agree with the the with the idea behind that. The, my counter to whether that's the strongest way to use it would be that you're just leaving a four two when, you yep. when you're using that. So you, you're missing a lot of the potential power of the card. Yeah, by going down that route, and there's a lot of a lot of clunkiness what could happen there. But the fact that you can look at them options is where this card might find her surprise value. I think, um, and I think you mentioned it earlier. For me, the what the most exciting way to explore this card, like outside of the flood, is actually as a mini Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. I I think that's the that could be the way that we find something interesting with this card. Yeah, well, let's talk more on, on that thought. Uh, things like Storm, Ebony Maw, right? Um, you kind of lock out a location, obviously with Ebony Maw, it's for yourself, but maybe you've been able to stack some power there early and your opponent isn't expecting you to be able to add that little bit of extra power. But something mm-hmm. like playing Shauna and then maybe uh, Doctor Doom on turn six, right? All of a sudden, you could be adding an additional... Between the two, you could be adding additional, you know, from seven all the way up to, you know, if you pulled another Ebony Maw or something, right? Like 12 power to that location yeah. Uh, yeah, in, exactly. the, in, in the latter half of the game that your opponent wasn't expecting, right? And, and so maybe they're not playing around that. Maybe they're just playing to beat the Ebony Maw, not what you could add there later. So uh, Storm storm is similar, right? But that one, uh, you're obviously locking your opponent out as well. So you have a little bit more of the upper edge there to be able to add power there later in the game. Exactly. That's and I think that exact scenario could be the more exciting way to look at the card and trying to find different ways to use her and maybe abuse the effect. And it takes away a lot of the negatives of some of the one drops too. Um, just looking at the one drops as well, just to point out that the the average is around two. It's actually only really there's ebony more in the hood, which you don't really want at all. Uh-huh. And maybe Titania could screw you sometimes. But otherwise, they, the, the, the quality of the one drops for this sort of effect is much higher than playing something like Debris or Squirrel Girl for this sort of um, thing too. Yeah. So, and I think potentially over time, we might find a way to to abuse this to put the extra power in there, like you said, and um, surprise people more. And also the location decks, and I think the article that snaps, um, the Dense Point Snap Zone has an amazing build on there as a starting point. Yeah, the, the ability to buff these with Kazar in that deck as well could be something worth exploring if, if I was to get this card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what yeah. I would be looking at. Yeah, just like we've kind of said in past episodes for listeners, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, uh, there are articles 
about the new cards, the new locations every week on marvelsnapson.com. So make sure to go check it out. There's deck builds, ideas to try out if you either uh, get, uh, you purchase Shauna in your uh, token shop or if you open her in a reserve. So, um, well, I think, I think we've spent a good amount of time here. I think Shauna uh, is an interesting card. I think one of the things I like about these conversations I have with people that come on the podcast is sometimes I, going in, I go in thinking one thing or thinking a little bit lower on a card. But kind of having the conversation helps me, you know, generate new ideas and get a little more excited. So I'm interested. I, I don't think she's one I'm going to spend 6,000 tokens on personally. Uh, I'm going to wait for her to drop uh, just so I can target some mm. other cards. But uh, I am excited to play with her when I open her and or if she drops to a lower, uh, you know, when she drops to a lower collection uh, pool or, mm. uh, you know, series. And, and I'll unlock her then. But. Let's uh yeah, there's a, yeah, she's one of them cards which I would love I would love to open this card um and play with it and see what I can do. But yeah, I agree with the token comment around that one. It's a lot of tokens for this effect, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. Um we do know that, you know, cards are gonna be moving down every month now though, so that's that it's a positive. Mm-hmm. Um excited for that. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Let's turn to the location now, uh, which is the Rickety Bridge, or I guess the I added, but Rickety Bridge, which Mm -hmm. uh, reads, after each turn, if there is more than one card here, destroy them. So... This is a, a really spicy one. I think this is very interesting. Uh, yes, it's going to be interesting what happens. You actually wrote the article for Marvel Snap Zone on this location. So uh, let's just start talking. What what are the things you think people can leverage to really take advantage of this location while it's while it's uh, more prevalent? So uh, interesting. Like sometimes when I start these articles, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. And this one I started very low on. And then slowly came around to some ways we could potentially abuse it, but then go back full circle. So my my number one point with this is just put armor in every single deck you build for 48 hours. Um, it's just going to be better for most strategies to just continue on and try and use armor on the lane and just stop it. Like honestly, like that's the and it could be one of them locations which just becomes more interesting when it's not all the time. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two is the old, the good old bad, the big bad Galactus. Um, for me, is a potential, and it seems to be a potential with every location at the moment. Um, because the way that it reads, if we play a card on there on turns one or two. It's once again in a location which can turn Electro off. If we have a card on there on turn three, we play Electro on the location. Suddenly, we have an empty board and five energy on turn four. And with Galactus, you either want priority or an empty board most of the time. Um, and that that just increases the ceiling for the card for Galactus. Um, turn five, we can then Dr. Octopus on the location, pull all the cards down onto the location. They'll lose all their cards. You lose Doc Ock. But we've then effectively um, finished their game. And then we play Galactus. Unfortunately, I am once again the the doomsayer with that one <laughs> and but some more interesting ways that we could look at it as well um it could be seen as location which just limits where we're going to be putting cards so maybe there's a chance for my favorite pet projects trying to throw any power on from cards like mr fantastic and claw um they could maybe have more effect because it might be a place that people avoid professor x um be insane if people are avoiding location or just can't get into it early enough that could just be a free location for us as well and that could be a way of approaching it and yeah really interested to see if people can abuse dr octopus during a location for example 
just one one warning with this as well. When you're looking at decks with this, um, I don't believe that Bucky Barnes Nova is a good plan either. I think that's a bit awkward. But I mentioned this a little bit further in the article on Snapzone. So, um, but yeah, my number one, my number one recommendation would be um, some sort of a controlly sort of deck using cards like Doctor Octopus, Aero, um, Professor X to try and abuse the destroy effect on there. Um, just limit the game for your opponent and then just finish them from there. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. That's kind of what you came to mind. You know, you talked armor, you talked Professor X, uh, you talked uh, um, Mr. Fantastic, right? And, uh, you know, these kind of go into like an ongoing deck. And I think one of the decks you referenced was like a Spectrum Destroyer deck, right? Um, mm. I think that's an interesting one because it's kind of like it's it's a synergy we know works, right? It's a, it's a good deck. Um, mm-hmm. but with armor in this location and people may be trying to take advantage of it in a more destroy way. Oh, I'm going to destroy, uh, you know, I'm going to destroy cards for my death deck. Right. Or I'm going to destroy uh, Bucky Barnes there. Right. If people try to play these things, uh, you can potentially limit that with, uh, armor and with a, a spectrum destroyer deck. You can lock out locations. Uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. get those extra buffs at the end of the game that your opponent isn't expecting with things like spectrum. Uh, I guess I should say, you know, people often are expecting it now. People are very familiar with the deck. But I think it's it's just, it's just a good <laughs> yeah, exactly. quality deck that maybe takes advantage of people trying to, you know, take advantage of this location in other ways. So it's kind of like the counter-counter in some ways, right? Yeah, and it's got ways it can abuse it as well. That's the, that's the, For me, that's the hot, like, when I'm going through these locations that you're looking for, the archetypes, which can benefit, obviously, then also, if they can benefit whilst also just carrying the cards as part of their normal strategy, then that's just added bonus. Um, and that's why Death is and Destroy works so well in so many locations, because it can carry the cards it needs to take advantage whilst it also just carries its own game plan forward. So keep in mind when you're looking at locations is what, what, no, what deck do I know has a proven synergy where I can put the cards which take advantage in there and it doesn't it actually plays towards my strategy and usually that's where we end up with the best cards for them once the location um try to go a bit off the wall a few times in the article by the way so if you do go over there there's a few few different suggestions there too to try out during the time yeah. but i would be i'd be leaning towards the ongoing package more than the destroy package surprisingly um galactus if you have it and more of a control sort of package just to take advantage of the location and have them tools to lock it down when you want to. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of great ideas. I don't have Galactus yet personally, but now knowing that they're not going to drop him down from Series 5 for a while, he is the next, <laughs> the next card I'm, t- I'm targeting, right? I, I already have Thanos and uh, just going to get that card so I can get other cards as they drop down. But, um, you know, Rickety Ridge, obviously, it, it, it's another destroy location, kind of like we had Altar of Death, but I don't think this will be nearly as wild uh as altar of death personally uh man that was a fun 48 hours um uh personally i enjoyed it yeah that's the hard thing and we you know i talked about this last week uh on the podcast with brad Safer, but um sometimes those locations you know lamentous one uh the peak some of these locations that just really play strongly into like a couple of decks and it can feel really bad if you don't have those cards or you don't understand how to play those decks, etc. Uh, you know, it can be really mm-hmm. not fun or discouraging to be on the opposing side. But uh, I do have fun when I feel like I have something that works really well with it. Um, and, you know, I, I shoot up t- 10 ranks in, in one day or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it just feels it feels a little good. But I understand that sometimes it can be a little polarizing for players when they... That, that 48 hours can feel long if you're losing every game, right? Or, or you're just not yeah. having a good time. So I understand that, but uh, but I love location. The balance, the balance. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll go. Um, yeah, the, the balance of this, the, the featured and hot locations is obviously debated often. Yes. Um, and potentially if there was just the, the need to think more about the variety of locations, because there is... There is really one archetype which every week gets a benefit from these locations and can play into most locations better than some. So people gravitate back to that archetype because um, 
it, it, they can rely on it and it it can play it gets advantages and that's that's why we end up back with the cycle every every week yeah um so maybe it's just the fact they need to do more variety around it i don't think that dropping the amount of featured time on locations is a good thing because it adds a lot of variety and i think we would miss that variety if they yes. start if they stop doing this yeah I'm, I'm with you i think i love that marvel snap offers so much variety and kind of a mini a mini meta change every week right for 48 hours everybody's trying something a little different trying to leverage it the best they can right and maybe you're trying to play into it to use it as an advantage or you're trying to play the counter of what you expect others to do i love that right uh yes sometimes it can be a little bit more frustrating than other times but i love this idea that like you know two days a week we have a new location we've never played with it before maybe we don't fully understand it till we start using it and then later in the week we have a location we know you know that's featured for one day and it just it gives mm-hmm. variety throughout the week so it's not just like okay locations are always going to be the same and you're going to see the same locations on the same average amount of time and it's just the same old same old so definitely appreciate mm-hmm. that as part of the kind of the design philosophy with marvel snap I uh, think we would miss it more if it was gone. <laughs> agreed. agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, Rickety Bridge, interesting location. We'll see. We'll see what people are posting on Twitter, Discord, etc. About uh, you know the location over the next couple of days. Be interesting to see how people like it. Continuing on, I wanted to go into a topic that we haven't done a ton of uh, on the podcast. We've done things in the past like deck face-offs. We have. Different creators come on, uh, they build decks, and we they break it down for us, and, and we kind of have the audience vote. Uh, we haven't done that for a little while. Maybe we'll pick that back up. But um, I've had listeners reach out to me and say, you know, I would love for you to have people on to talk about decks they're using and how to use them. You know, uh, sometimes people see decks, pictures that people post on Twitter, Discord, wherever, or Reddit, and say, you know, this is the deck that got me to Infinite. But they don't really give context of how to play it, how to best leverage it. And you recently had an article go up a couple of days ago at the time of recording with one of the decks. I think it's the main deck you kind of got your last stretch to infinite with. Um, And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of break that down for the listeners, how they can use it. And and quickly, before you do that, I'll just I'll read kind of the the list of cards with the abilities just for people that may not be familiar with some of these cards. Uh, Just just to give a little context. Um, And you have two builds of this. You have one with no series four series five cards and one with them uh, i'm just gonna break i'm just gonna read out the the series four series five one so we start off with zabu no one or two cost cards we start with zabu a three cost two power card that lowers all of your four cost cards by two then we go to lady seth which is a three cost four power card which discards the highest power card or the highest cost card in your hand then we go to dracula a four cost zero power card at the end of the game after the game has ended it will discard a card from your hand and gain the power of that card. We have Jubilee, which is a four cost one power card that pulls a card from your deck to the location where Jubilee is played. Shuri is a four cost two power card, which doubles the power of the next card you play. Absorbing Man is a four cost three power card that if the last card you played was an on reveal ability, it uh, copies that on reveal ability and does it again. Ghost Rider is a four cost three power card that uh, brings a card you have discarded uh, randomly if you've discarded more than one card uh, to the location that it's played from your discard. Spider-Man is a four cost three power card that locks down your opponent's side of a location the next turn after it's played. Uh, America Chavez is a six cost nine power card uh, that is guaranteed to be drawn on the last turn or on turn six of a game. Uh, Magneto is a six cost 12 power card that moves Uh, three and four cost cards on your opponent's side of the board to that location. Uh, Giganto or Giganto is a six cost 40 power card that can only be played on the left location on the board. And the Infinite is the last card that is a six cost 20 power card that can only be played if you didn't play any cards last turn. Uh, We have, we've got, you know, a third of our deck is six cost. Uh, half the deck is four cost cards, and then we have two three cost cards. So interesting. I think this can this style of deck, when you see kind of no one two cost cards, people probably get nervous, a little intimidated. <laughs> so that's why we've got you here to break break the deck down for us. So look, the the deck has been my version of this deck's been um, been getting built for quite a while, and I've played it 
a, a version which didn't have before Zabu. And I remember Coco dropping in, Coco4, um, eight streamer, you should follow him. He, he dropped into when I was playing and showed me his Zabu list. Reminded me of the my old Jubilee list and it, this came out pretty spontaneously from there. And it's been having great success for a lot of people. And I've seen a lot of different creators as well have different versions out there, but it follows a similar sort of structure. And I, I don't like to write the full article onto Marvel Snap Zone unless I have a point that I'm trying to make as well in there. So I really do encourage anyone who's really interested to take a go through the article as well. Um, this goes into a bit more detail about why it's built in such a way. But the one and two cost cards, they're not there on purpose. It's they limit, they make the our high rolly cards, well, high roll in air quotes, because I don't believe they are, they make the other cards worse if I have the one and two cost cards in there. So there, there is a reason they're removed. And a lot of time you'll see this sort of deck with Sunspot as a bit of a trade-off. So you've got a card to potentially play on one. But I like to stick to the strategy here and found it was better to get, to cut them entirely in favor of, I play Zabu on free. That's the plan. Now, I don't want to shy away from that. Deck is it does not work in this way without Zabu. You need Zabu to work, um, but there is way you don't need the other series four and five card, um, five cards which are featured in my my main list. But the goal is to try and make sure that Jubilee in particular is as good as possible on four after a Zabu. See, so if we play Zabu and free Jubilee, obviously then becomes a two cost card, which pulls a card out. If we have four to six cards we would like to pull in the deck, then the, the bad outcomes are minimized significantly. So if we end up at a case where the only bad outcome from Jubilee is Ghost Rider, then our odds of hitting a card we want are very high. Mm. And that's that's the whole whole goal of the deck and why it might look random when you're playing against it you're like oh look how lucky he got he pulled his infinite but in reality it's built in such a way to try and avoid the negative outcomes and the four drop cards around it um like spider-man absorbing mind shuri are my uh, my favorites and ghost rider obviously we'll talk about him separately uh, my favorite ones because if they come out uh, absorbing man there is a slight anti-synergy if he comes directly off jubilee but if they come out, they often give me an effect which I can use afterwards, and it benefits me in some way, which is the why they're there. And then that just limits the bad outcomes more. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I think, cool. um, you know, uh, I've, I've played against decks that are like this or kind of look like this, and yeah, like you say, sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, this kind of feels like they're trying to do multiple things, like the Lady Sif with Ghost Rider and dra you know dracula like you're trying to discard these big cards resurrect them or you know in, in a couple different ways um and then you kind of have the shuri to like grow a card like larger so it, it can feel but i think you make a lot of great points that this really is about um basically what you said with one and two cost cards right because whenever i've seen something like this i'm they almost always have like a, a couple like probably one or two one and two cost cards right and that is to mm -hmm. like quote unquote fill the curve, right? Uh, so you're not wasting yeah. turns one and two. And this is all said in air quotes, right? Uh, because that's how mm -hmm. I, I think it's easy, and it makes sense why people think that, right? Uh, with a game that only has six turns normally, if you're not playing anything on 33% of the turns, like it's like you think, how could that be good, right? Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, we have the snap mechanic, we have the retreat mechanic, right? If if the game isn't going in your favor, you can retreat and kind of move on to the next card. Or the next game, I should say, and but when you kind of pull some of these key cards, whether you know Zabu, Lady Sif, to be able to to kind of start things going on turn four, uh, you're kind of set up for having success. Is kind of how you said it mm. for uh, being able to high roll more frequently. Yeah, so it might look like a high roll. That's what I'm trying. I kind of want to like go back to with Hella, the Hella deck for example, is a high roll. Yeah, yeah that, that right, you need them in a certain order. And that's why that why that sometimes feels really frustrating um, to play against as well. But if you've played this deck or play a similar deck like this, 
you 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 controlled the outcomes in the deck building. You know your outcomes are quite restricted. We could look at Jubilee, for example, and reality. As long as if Ghost Rider's in your hand, especially, she becomes a four like ten on average, mm. and that's uh, that's a big stat line. Yeah. Um, and if, if so, in reality, the random is not really there because we've removed the one and two drops. And I'll say something else on that because obviously people do get nervous about that with decks and I really um, go back over that point. If your turn one and two only add four power onto the board, but then your turn three and four add 20 power to the board um, because you don't have the one and two. And the trade-off for me is worth it sometimes. But if you were nervous, adding a sunspot does work as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just to go back. <laughs> but, it, but, but, it, but it is a uh, probability game, I mean, right? Because for every sunspot in the deck, then it's one less chance to pull the other key cards you want, right? Exactly. Exactly. So you you want to limit... You, when you're building to these sort of decks, you want to limit the negative outcome happening to you. You, you build in a way where... If I pull that card, am I going to be happy about it? If I go through this list, if they're in the deck, there's only, if Jubilee is the first four drop I pay, then there's two bad outcomes for me, which is Absorbing Man and Ghost Rider. I've done nothing else before. Yeah. So, that's a, so the chances of me hitting a bad outcome are actually quite low. They do happen. Yeah. And Yeah, it's going to happen occasionally, right? And maybe that's those are the games you retreat, right? Hmm. The odds are in my favor. Shuri might look like a bit odd as well. I just want to put, uh, I'll, I'll quickly talk about Shuri. She's just the best. She's, in my opinion, probably the best four drop in the game in a lot of ways because of what she does. If you play Shuri as your last card on five, America Chavez, for example, then becomes 18 power on six. And she's always coming on six, for example. That's your worst case scenario, like one of the worst case scenarios. Um, but if you play Shuri on four, on five before a Spider-Man, a six-power Spider-Man can actually win a lot of lanes in himself. So you've got to think a bit like it, it might look like a bad outcome, but is it actually a bad outcome? Is a six-power Spider-Man more likely to lock down a lane than a three-power Spider-Man? Yes. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically the logic behind how the deck was built. But something, uh, Lady Sif and Ghost Rider, I want to touch on them too because they look like a, mi- like a minor anti-synergy. I added them because of the I don't have Dark Hawk, and I want to talk about that maybe slightly if I can. Sometimes not having a card is an opportunity to try and look for another solution which might be as powerful or more powerful even. So I didn't have that card. I don't have the card and still still will likely not have him for some time. So I had to look at a different two set of cards. So Lady Sif, um, Ghost Rider, anyone who played through beta knows how good that combination was when they could be played in the same turn. Zabu obviously enables them to be played in the same turn again because Ghost Rider becomes a two power card, a two energy card, and Sif is free. So that can be your turn five in itself. If we miss on Zabu, Lady Sif sits on turn three, pulls a card, and then we've got a Ghost Rider ready to go at any time later in the game, um, which will be most likely at least 12 power, um, 12 power at that point because Chavez stays in your deck. You're likely to draw Magneto, Giganto, or Infinite before you draw, play Sif. So the chances are that it's a very powerful play just by itself. So that's why them two cards are there. And um, just be careful about, you just have to be careful about the order you play Lady Sif um, and Ghost Rider a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so so taking this for me, I mean, this is not uh, this is not like the style of deck I, I normally play. Um, and um, I have... Uh, at least on the build we're talking about, I have everything except for Shuri. Okay. Um, so I know you've got a couple replacement cards uh, in kind of a non-series four, series five deck, Rescue and Crossbones, but you also men- mentioned Zabu, which I actually do have. Um, so kind of looking at, at my option, for example, right? So like I have Absorbing Man, but I guess my question is like, if I don't have Shuri... Is it worth, in your opinion, taking out Shuri and Absorbing Man and putting in Rescue Crossbones, throwing in Zabu? We'll do a little deck crafting with me here. What what do you think would be the best option for me to try this out without having Shuri? I, 
I would definitely still keep Absorbing Man, just to be clear. Absorbing Man elevates the deck significantly uh, regardless. Now, the reason Shuri... Actually, just to circle back, part of the reason Shuri's still in there is because you can carry the effect over with Absorbing Man, so there's a bunch of good on reveals. Absorbing Man is primarily there for double Jubilee or double Spider-Man, which are two incredibly strong plays. Yes. Um, just so, like, if we've limited our bad outcomes in Jubilee so much due to the way the deck's built, having two of them increases even better, even more, and you can play them both in the same turn. So Absorbing Man is, if you've got Absorbing Man, you play Absorbing Man always. Jury is not even a requirement for anyone, like, in my opinion. You could you could take her out if you just don't like that play style and you don't like the idea that Shuri could stuff up your plays. I think it adds a higher ceiling to the deck, but... If if you pulled Shuri for any any good four drop, it would not make they would be a good play still. Mm. Um, the reason that I have them two in particular, Rescue and Crossbones, as my main recommendations to replace the two cards. Uh, Crossbones is four eight start line outcome off Jubilee if he's pulled from Jubilee as well. Um, you can likely be guaranteed of being ahead on a lane at least by turn five or six, so you, it's play is usually going to be playable. So that's why Crossbones is there. It's just the highest DOS 4-8, so it's also a Jubilee um, consideration. And Rescue is my preference over Jessica Jones because it doesn't limit where you can play the next turn. So Rescue into Spider-Man um, is a potentially really strong play. It's like a pseudo sort of Rescue into Professor X play. Um, so why I would choose Rescue. And if you pull Rescue from Jubilee, um, there's the, the, the easily play a card there to get that extra buff later on as well down the line. So I would I would start with Rescue because I think it's easier to play than Crossbones. There's less restriction on how you play your earlier turns, but Crossbones would probably be about my, what I would prefer to have in that spot. Yeah. Now, now, for somebody who does have Zabu, do you think Zabu would go over Rescue or Crossbones? Zabu is still in there, even under no series 4 and 5. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It's still a Zabu deck. It's oh, sorry. I said Zabu. I, I, no, sorry. I said, I, I, I meant Darkhawk. My bad. That, uh, thinking oh, Darkhawk. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, Darkhawk is good. So I'll go back to how the deck started. If you if you were to remove Shuri for just Darkhawk, it would be good by himself, I believe, because it's a 1-7. Um, a 4-7 yeah, in most circumstances. But the original, the very, very original version of this deck also add Rock Slide. Mm. Yeah. So you just add, you take Ghost Rider out and put Rock Slide and you take Sif out for any other four drop you like. And um, that was the deck which came, came before it. And it was very, it's still very strong. Awesome. But well, I think this conversation shows like how you can change decks as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah it's really a case of trying to fit your collection into the styles don't when you see something on twitter or anywhere um have a think about what you can do to change it yourself and you can end up with your own own versions of decks and it's kind of one of the the nice things about marvel snap as much as it can be frustrating when you don't have all the super powerful cards yeah i, I mean you know you stream i'm sure you've seen this some of the classic things we see are people saying you know what card can i switch to this card if i don't have it or uh, people sometimes feel frustrated. You're like, I don't, I don't have the cards to play the meta decks. Now, I think we can challenge that a little bit, right? Because, uh, you know, I can say, oh, I don't have Shuri. Uh, you know, I can't play this deck because, you know, that's how they played it and they had success, right? It's easy for me to say that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you and me just had a conversation. There, we named three, four, five other, you know, options that we could switch out a couple cards here based on what I have and could still play a very strong deck. Exactly, and I, it's a question I get daily, <laughs> daily, every day. Like, well, I get a question from someone saying, "What can I swap in for X, Y, or Z?" And um, there's always an answer. Sometimes it makes the deck significantly different. Sometimes it's like to likeish. Sometimes you should just swap the card because you like a certain card more than the other. As um, one thing I would just say to everyone is, if you just like a certain card more. You like there's a certain part of the playstyle you don't like. Um, no one is stopping you, and you should just put the card that you like more in. Is what I would say too. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, well, we're just out, about out of time, uh, but I did want to give a shout out to a couple of things. Um, I'd recently started a Twitter thread. 
uh, just a couple hours before this recording on January 17th. And just a reminder, the Twitter for the podcast is at can't underscore stop underscore snap. Uh, just ask if there's any topics or questions you'd like answered on the podcast. Um, you know, we're going to continue to have great guests on, uh, you know, safety blade. We hope to have you back on again. And, and really would just love to hear the topics that the, the community and the listeners would like to have discussed uh, with different creators on the show. Uh, but before we go, uh, safety blade, just want to give you one more chance. Just uh, let people know where they can find the content you're putting out online, where they can find you streaming uh, so that they can best support your content. So I'm primarily findable on Twitter at safety blade underscore HS. Um, that's where it all started. And I love to interact with people's questions and queries on there. Um, you know, so I'm always open to talking on Discord about things as well. Very accessible in that way. And uh, one of my favorite parts about this game is actually just trying to solve problems and build decks and stuff. So feel free. Please reach out. And um, my articles go up on Snapzone Weekly. I usually do the locations and some of the new cards. And when I have something interesting to say about a deck in a bit more long form, you'll get articles like this one. So just please... Check out Marvel Snap Zone. Go to the articles sections. Have a read through, and um, yeah, that's that's it really. Um, trying to trying to get a schedule together to online a little bit more on Twitch and be a bit more of an amateur in that in that regard. So um, follow me on Twitter, and if I can get something set up properly there, you'll you'll be the first to know too. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being on. Uh, we hope to have you back again at some point, and we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much listeners uh we will be back next week with another episode to break down new cards new location and, and discuss interesting topics that you uh would like to hear us discuss so make sure to go check out that twitter thread and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about uh with all that being said we thank safety blade for being here again and we will catch you in the next episode can't stop snapping is a podcast written recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.